A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. I'm Stephen Metcalf, and this is the Slate Culture Gap Fest Summer Strut 2020 edition. It's Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020. On today's show, we distilled, I think it was close to this year, 20 hours of music down to our favorite songs, which we're now going to roundtable and talk about. We we say what we like, and Chris Melanthi tells us why. Uh, let me begin by introducing you then, Chris. Chris Melanthi, of course, is the host of the Hit Parade podcast. He's Slate's resident chartologist. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Steve. How are you? Yeah, really good. It's great to have you back. And of course, my co-hosts are Julia Turner, who is the uh, deputy managing editor of the LA Times. Hey, Julia. Hello, hello. And uh, Dana Stevens, who's the film critic for Slate. Hey, Dana. Hey. All right. So, uh, Julia, why don't you just quickly, I, I, it's been so long, give very briefly the origin story of the Summer Strut episode of the Culture Gap Fest. Okay. The Summer Strut episode originated when I lamented on the show that I needed some music to strut around New York City to. I was sick of all my music and I wanted some recommendations for walking around New York in the hot, hot summer. And the listeners responded in droves and we made a big playlist and we picked some songs we liked. And I think it's been an annual tradition every year since with the exception of maybe there might have been one year we skipped it. Um, And it's sort of become its own little mini genre. Uh, I think it's also a place where we all connect with the currents of music once a year. Some of them very au courant, some of them having to do with the wild tastes of our eclectic listeners uh, and I personally use it now to just refresh my music every year. Like I don't mm-hmm. go shopping. Yeah. I don't read music blogs. I just like learn about a bunch of new bands and artists once a year and then, you know, slowly add to it uh, until next time there's strut. So in general, that's what strut is. I will say it's usually a like swaggering, boisterous, woohoo, carefree, summer sunshine, who cares if I get a few freckles type vibe. <laughs> this year... Strut is slightly harder to navigate. It's not a really strutty moment in the world. Who has anything to strut about? Um, so some of my selections might be a little bit more um, lopy or I don't know. We'll see We'll see where we land. I'm curious how you guys found the strut aesthetic in the year of our universe 2020. Right. And that, I think, is a perfect segue into the Song of Summer discussion, which we usually kick off with Chris. You've said this, uh, various music critics have noticed that that in addition to the mood issues, there's just a sort of a social geographic issue with the Song of Summer. Song of Summer is often determined by what you hear ubiquitously and incidentally just walking around. You know, the transistor radio hanging off the hot dog stand is playing. It comes booming out of a passing car. You hear it in a from a dorm window, whatever. We don't, we're not occupying public space in the same way this year, in addition to which we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, a Black Lives Matter uh, protest. So it's not at all a typical summer. What do you, what do you make of it and where did that lead you? Right. So if 
the song of the summer is supposed to be, you know, ubiquitous and ambient, right? If it's the tree falling in the forest and nobody's in the forest to hear it, doesn't make a sound. Sorry for the cliche. Um, and I would say that what's happened is like everything else in our lives that has gone virtual, um, our shared musical uh, activities seem to have migrated largely to TikTok. You know, we talked about TikTok last summer because last summer's undisputed song of the summer, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X, was fueled by TikTok when TikTok was just starting to become a thing and really take off at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Uh, well, TikTok has kind of taken over everything. It doesn't count directly for the Billboard charts, but it has a massive knock-on effect on the things that do count for the Billboard charts, streaming, digital downloads, even arguably terrestrial radio, because radio will eventually pick up on things that have caught on on TikTok. And so um, the activity that has been you know, thematic for 2020 has been, you know, either single people or small quarantined groups of people doing dance routines or arm movements or, you know, synchronized videos of some kind uh, on TikTok. And, uh, you know, one thing that happened with my Why Is This Song Number One series for Slate is that uh, we, you know, took a couple months off uh, when, you know, Slate was uh, battening down the hatches amid COVID-19. And I didn't write about uh, new number one songs for about two to three months. And something very strange happened where for about two and a half months, the number one spot on the Hot 100 in the late spring was turning over once every week. And there were all these candidates that have basically wound up being the contenders for Song of the Summer that each took a turn at number one. And virtually all of them had some kind of TikTok fuel helping them, whether it's uh, Savage by uh, Megan Thee Stallion uh, featuring Beyonce, which just sounds like it was made for TikTok. TikTok when I dance. dance on that demon time, she might start her OnlyFans. Big B and that B stand for bands. If you want to see some real ass, baby, here's your chance. I say left cheek. I mean, as you can hear from that uh, chorus, you know, those little staccato, you know, snatches of lyrics are ideal for, you know, TikTok dancing. Um, you can do a, a tight close up of somebody just, you know, doing the arm movements. Um, Beyonce actually slips the word TikTok into her lyric. She says, my hips TikTok when I dance, uh, which is like practically an open invitation for people to make videos to this thing. Uh, or, you know, another good example is Rain On Me, which was a number one hit by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, sort of two twin titans of pop uh, teaming up for a kind of 90s house throwback song that uh, kind of became the pride anthem in June. so square on that one and then also you hear them sing together and you're like how could they not always be singing together it seems so appropriate yeah it was kind of a no-brainer uh it debuted at number one back in may uh was kind of a smash instantaneously 
Uh, it's been riding the charts ever since. Um, you know, Ariana Grande has had several bops uh, in the last couple of years herself. And then Gaga is trying to sort of spin her way back to the sort of centrist dance pop that she was doing a decade ago after A Star is Born. Uh, and the way that that chorus yet again kind of drops in this rain on me with the pauses, it just again invites you know, synchronized dancing. It's, it's very TikTok friendly. Uh, even though you're right, the beat feels like it could have happened 25 years ago. Um, so those are, you know, just some of the contenders, uh, one that's been holding on since the winter. And frankly, it sounds like a chilly weather song to me, but it's turned into a hot weather song is blinding lights by the Mm. weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, this song is everywhere. Um, it's the most played song at radio right now. So if you do go to a store, you know, I realize we're all still mostly in lockdown mode. You're going to hear blinding lights out in the world because it's been getting played and played for months now. And it was also a TikTok sensation back in February, March, and kind of still is. That song is like somehow too fast and too slow at the same time, in my my judgment. (laughs) I compared it, when I wrote about it for Why Is the Song Number One back in March, I compared it to uh, the sort of song you would hear on those detour from Sprocket sketches on Saturday Night Live uh, (laughs) that Mike Myers used to do. And interestingly enough, part of the reason I did that is because the TikTok dance that took off back in March was sort of an ideal dance for the first phase of quarantine, where you were sort of bubbling with your immediate family and only your immediate family two or three people would come bopping into a room and do this little dance with these little tiny sprockets-like movements that were very robotic, uh, kind of crossed with a Molly Ringwald and Breakfast Club kind of vibe. So anyway, if if uh, Rain On Me was a little bit of a throwback, that song is a deep throwback. It's, oh, yeah. it, wants, it wants to be 1983 very badly. Very much so. It has a little bit of Loverboy in there. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, Chris, talk a little bit about um, when the record industry became very conscious of the Song of Summer as something to want, like ca- calcul- you know, do a calculated launch for or, or play for. Yeah, I did a piece for Slate uh, some years back trying to figure out when it became a thing because there's no one specific moment. It, it definitely gradually grew. But in the social media era, especially of the last 10 years, uh, as Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, you know, the ability to share lip dub videos, that kind of thing. Uh, that has all added fuel to the fire. I mean, I-, I turned up references to Song of the Summer dating back to the 70s and 80s. Uh, and if you go back to the 60s, there were tracks like Summer in the City by the Love and Spoonful that were number one hits in the hot months. So it's not as if this is an entirely new concept, but starting around the era of, let's say, Umbrella by Rihanna in the summer of 2007, or I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas in 2009, and then really accelerating with songs like uh, California Girls by Katy Perry in 2010, or uh, Call Me Maybe uh, by Carly Rae Jepsen in the summer of 2012, that snowball effect of people feeling like they had an actual 
uh, vote, so to speak. I compared it to the UK Christmas number one sweepstakes, which is something that like all of England follows and is very invested in. This is kind of the American equivalent. And so to answer your specific question, the industry took notice of this and has been lining up singles usually around March or April that they think stand a chance of kind of like taking over the conversation. And that's what you saw with this pileup of singles that hit in the spring this year, you know, Savage, Rain On Me. Um, They were all very openly attempting to open big and kind of clear the field. Uh, But what's been interesting is that the, the songs that have held on are things like The Weeknd's Blinding Lights, which, you know, to Julia's point, feels like it could be any number of things. It doesn't necessarily say summer. Uh, or the song that's actually kind of winning the overall field right now, which is this song Rockstar by the rapper DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. Uh, this is basically emerging as the ultimate song of the summer because it has kind of a Black Lives Matter angle uh, to it. Um, it's kind of accidental because it predates the murder of George Floyd, uh, but the, the main lyric goes, brand new Lamborghini, fuck a cop car. Uh, so it sounds like it was made for the protest era. Um, knowingly, after the song went to number one, uh, DaBaby actually put out a so-called BLM remix of the song that had more overt protest lyrics in the first verse. But the original song just kind of held on long enough that it's now kind of emerged as if there's one song you're likely to hear at a protest, it might be Rockstar by DaBaby. Let's go. Brand new Lamborghini, fuck a cop car. With a pistol on my hip like I'm a cop. Have you ever met a real nigga rock star? This ain't no guitar, bitch, this a clock. My Glock told me to promise you gon' squeeze me. Better let me go the day you need me. Put me on that nigga, get the bus. And if I ain't enough, go get your chop. Keep a Glockin' when I ride in the suburban. Cause the code ain't had a young nigga swerving. I got the mop, watch me wash them like detergent. Yeah, so it's kind of in that pocket of late 10s hip-hop post everybody from Drake to Juice World, where it's melodic and contemplative and frankly kind of emo. Um, It's not an ebullient uh, party rap song. It's uh, very downbeat. Um, And it was a single as far back as March, April, Uh, But it just kind of seemed to take off and capture the moment. And it's been number one on the Hot 100 for about six weeks now. It's the one out of all of these songs that kind of stuck around the longest and grew into the number one spot and held on. So uh, at the end of the summer, I'm expecting that this is probably going to wind up being the song of the summer just by chart data alone. Um, And the fact that it's this kind of uh, broody song, uh, I think, uncannily captured the moment. Mm. But that's okay. So that's you speaking as Chris Melanthi empiricist. Uh, now give us your, give me, give me your pet favorite song of this summer. You know, if I were picking one out of the ones I've played, the one I like best is Savage Remix, the one with Beyonce, because it just seems to possess some of the the sass of either a California Girls by Katy Perry or a 2014's winner, uh, Iggy Azalea's Fancy. It's got that kind of uh, arrogance and and self-confidence and cocksuredness. Um, another one that uh, some folks have been citing is uh, a song by uh, former One Direction member Harry Styles called Watermelon Sugar. 
um, that actually dates all the way back to the winter, but finally came into its own. It's in the top 10 right now. Um, my stepdaughter has been banging that one in the car. Uh, it's one of her favorites right now. So uh, I, I, it, Watermelon Sugar is not going to win the data prize, but it's definitely making a lot of summer playlists this year. Yeah, as the father of a 14-year-old daughter, I've, uh, I've heard that song a bunch of times. Chris, before we move from the Song of the Summer conversation into our own picks from the strut list, I just had to go back to something that you said earlier about if you go to the store, you may hear this. I think that was talking about the, the weekend song, and I think I have heard that in various stores. But just there's a there's a real sadness to the fact that the store is the new club was what occurred to me when you said that, right? Like our big right. moment of excitement is like, I'm going to go pick out some some dried rice and beans at the store and maybe I'll get to hear a little bit of a banger as I do. So it's no wonder that all those those examples that you gave of the possible 2020 song of the summer are so wildly different in mood, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all in different places just scrambling through our day and, and as Steve observed, like all of those communal occasions, every moment at which you would be dancing to a song of the summer having a barbecue to the song of the summer are just not happening now right it's so funny because there's a couple there's like it's on at the barbecue no barbecues it's on at the dance party no dance parties it's on in the grocery store okay you can go to the grocery store sometimes but as seldom as possible with like as though you're going to war um like you know out of the window of the passing car like I do think of the song summer as like an outdoor pastime but it's like outdoor near other people enjoying the outdoors right there's sort of an implicit crowd so it's the you know on the one hand we're all we can be outdoors that's like the one thing we can do which would seem like a precondition for a song of summer but it's the it's the carefreeness and the crowdness you can have neither carefreeness nor crowds and definitely not at the same time so I think that's what I mean, all those songs are a little anemic. I don't know. They're not, they, they, they do not sound carefree to me. Maybe that's in the ear of the, the hearer, but. <laughs> well, Watermelon Sugar sounds carefree, but it sounds yes. wrong it sounds, for the moment to me. Yes. It sounds like ported in from, from, I don't know, a Hello Kitty kit. Well, and, and the music video is also this kind of thing from the before time because, you know, it, it depicts Harry Styles and a bunch of young friends cavorting together on a beach in little crowds. Which, of course, is, you know, you watch it now and it looks like, you know, eons ago. It's several of these videos, you know, uh, the video for Rain On Me, the Gaga and Ariana song also has, you know, people dancing in formation mere inches away from each other. And you think, <laughs> how can how can anybody do that now? You know, so it's a super I'll, spreader event with choreography. Pretty much. So, yeah, that that adds to the emo-ness of a lot of these songs, even the ones that are fairly ebullient. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on all your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
All right, before we go any further, let's uh, talk business. Dana, what, what do we got? We have a few things. First of all, another reminder that we will soon be talking about the book, The Great Influenza by John Barry. It's about the 1918 flu pandemic, and we picked it way earlier in the course of this pandemic to try to understand some of the historical context of what we're all living through. It is a very long book. It's really good. I'm right in the middle of it now, but it is quite big. So just so you know, um, start reading it soon. If you want to talk about it with us, we'll get to it before the end of the summer. And I think as we mentioned last time, there's a really wonderful audiobook version of it read by the great Scott Rick, who Julie and I are both fans of as a reader. So if you prefer to listen to your books, you can listen to it that way. Also in Slate Plus today, Chris Malanfi will stick around and we're just going to do more music. We're going to do a lightning round of, of extra strut picks that didn't make it into the main show because we're always bursting with songs to talk about in this annual episode. If you want to hear extra segments like that and get ad-free podcasts every week, you can sign up for Slate Plus, our membership program. As we've talked about since the pandemic began, there has been a budget crunch at Slate and throughout the journalism industry because of the loss of advertising and the loss of, you know, economy and things for people to go out and do. So Slate Plus memberships are more important than ever to help keep the magazine going. If you want to support this podcast and everything else that Slate does, you can sign up for a Slate Plus membership at slate.com slash culture plus. There you will get ad-free podcasts, exclusive content like our extra segments and many other benefits. Once more, that is slate.com slash culture plus. And the only other thing to mention is that just as we posted the long, long Spotify playlist that was submitted by listeners, we are also going to post the selections that we made. We're going to put all of our picks and Chris's picks onto a select Spotify playlist and make that available to all of you. So if you want to look for that on the show page and learn more about the songs we talk about this week, and you can look for that Spotify link on our show page on Slate. All right. Well, why don't we pivot now and start talking about our picks from this master strut list. Uh, Julia, let's start with you. What do you have? Okay. I promise that my picks are going to get um, get more eclectic from here, but I want to start with a song that was also a TikTok sensation and has a very fascinating backstory that I hope Chris can fill us in on, which is Rose's Iman Beck remix. So here's my pitch for this song. A, I can't stop bopping around to it. Mm -hmm. B, the like slight quality of Alvin and the Chipmunksery. Like it feels like a club (laughs) banger, except anxious and weird. You're like, why is it so fast? Why is he so high? You know, it like to me is both struttable and doesn't feel out of keeping with the moment because it has attitude and a little bit of tension in it. Um, And I, I found it and loved it in the playlist and was just bopping around to it and then it started to poke around realized that it too had like a TikTok dance and you can find whatever the D'Amelio family doing their funny version of it and the dance is kind of incomprehensible and not that good the dances are so short like sometimes they're impressive but I don't know I have not yet become a TikTok dance doer and that is perhaps the next phase of my life um Chris tell me about this song 
this song is fascinating. You're absolutely right that it has an interesting backstory. It's also one of the most current songs on the playlist. It's in the top 10 right now. I wouldn't call it a prime song of summer contender, but it peaked at number four on the Hot 100, and it's still knocking around the bottom half of the top 10. And where do you begin? It's it's a a four-year-old song originally, and I don't know if we want to go back and play the original, but the original is almost unrecognizable by comparison. Uh, you're, you're right to talk about the Alvin and the Chipmunks angle because what uh, Iman Beck, this Kazakh uh, uh, DJ producer, 19 years old, young dude, uh, did with the song was he basically sped it way up. You call it a club banger. It wasn't really a club banger to begin with. It was a downbeat hip hop joint by this uh, Guyanese Brooklyn rapper who goes by the name St. John. John spelled J-H-N without an O. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was pretty downbeat and dour before he heard it as a potential club banger just by speeding it up and uh, throwing a new bass line underneath it. Rose, I walked in the corner with the body screaming, daughter. Never saw the back, but looking like Pablo in the phone. This gonna make me feel a way like Tony Wow. <laughs> Very different. Right? Yeah, I really, I really felt like you needed to hear the before and after on that because it is utterly transformative. And the way it became a hit is so, you know, 2010s, 2020s in the sense that he just, he remixed it and threw it up on some kind of Russian music sharing site and it caught on. Uh, it, was, it was a lark for him. And here we are. It's in the top 10 right what now. What do you think, Dana and Steve? Can you go for the Chipmunk Club bang? I, I like the uh, the second version better. I think that, that <laughs> the shrill anxiety that appealed to you in the first one is a little too 2020 for me. <laughs> Steve, what's your verdict? I prefer the second one along with Dan. <laughs> I, I don't need any more jangling than I'm getting already from <laughs> the world. Okay, Dana, the pointer is at you. What uh, What's your first offering here? All right. I guess as a as, as as a counteractive bomb for the anxiety caused by my Julius pick, but similar in a way that mine is also sort of world music. Um, I'm going to go with a hammock song for my very first. Remember this category, Julia, that we came up with in, in past yes. years. Yes. So we always Contested. we almost always have our our hammock song, which is supposed to be you know the the suave summer song that you sip on a cool drink while listening to, and there are a bunch of those on this on this list. I'll maybe get to other hammock songs too, but I'll start off with this one because it is international, and I'm sure I'm going to say their names wrong, but the duo that sing it are this um, French-Afropean duo, that's how they build themselves, called Jujoa and Lieutenant Nicholson, and the name of the song is Mbappe. It's got a strat to it, for sure. I was going to say, my one disagreement with you is that it's more than a hammock jam. I mean, it, it lilts, but it's also got a strut to it, honestly. Yeah, yeah the maybe the hammock is swinging a little bit faster than usual. Hammock is swinging, I hear it, <laughs> yep. 
Chris, I think probably you can speak to the style more than I can, but I love the really clean production on this song, and it got me listening to the album it comes from a little bit, which came out just last year in 2019. It's called Aimé Césaire, and uh, it's got some really interesting production on it. It's not all like this song. Sometimes it's got a little bit more um, sort of soul funk sound to it with horn arrangements and things like that, which I'm always a sucker for. And I don't know if you know anything about this duo, but do you have anything to say about Jojoa and Lieutenant Nicholson? I don't know anything about them. The song's fantastic. Um, I, I got a, kind of a late EDM vibe off of it. Uh, there are some tracks on this playlist from uh, Todd Terja, and it reminded me a little bit of that that kind of uh, light club vibe. I see why you still called it a hammock song, because even as it has a thump and a strut to it, it's got this waft going on with it, and the clean sound that you're talking about, it, it really emphasizes these straightforward staccato synth lines that are just catnip for me they're both kind of an 80s throwback and yet very 2010s at the same time so yeah i really like that a lot Mm. all right uh i'm gonna kick it off with something that's both uplifting and very strutty you have to wait for it to kick in to get there but i needed that i think i needed that combination so this song really worked for me it's by someone named nakane i'm probably mispronouncing it n-a-k-h-a-n-e the song is new brighton and um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. That one totally went past me. I love that. Oh, I'm so glad you like. He's a uh, uh, South African from Port Elizabeth, as you hear in the song. And there's just a lot of force and strength to that to that song. And uh, it really worked for me. Chris, what do you think? Well, and it's a queer anthem on a couple of levels because the song lyrically is already about how uh, Nakane... Um, sort of came to terms with reconciling his Christianity with his coming out as queer. And um, uh, some of the vocals on there are by uh, a second famous genderqueer artist, Anoni, formerly known as uh, Antony of Antony and the Johnsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she has become, you know, an icon uh, of both, you know, dance music and LGBTQ rights uh, in the last decade and a half. Uh, so it's got, if you know the backstory, that only actually makes the song more powerful, but it just, it works on its own merits uh, as this kind of uh, uplifting, uh, sweeping anthem. So yeah, I like that one a lot. Beautiful singing. I mean, just just technical singing. It's just gorgeous on there. Yeah. There's also a, a Song Exploder episode about this track uh, that came out in March, if anybody's interested in hearing Ooh. it. Ooh, yeah. cool. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Chris, you're up. All right. Well, why don't we start with a track from my favorite album from last year, which is Stay High by Brittany Howard. This is the former front woman of Alabama Shakes. 
Uh, it was a, a number one hit on uh, the uh, adult album alternative chart last fall, and uh, it's just this might be the hammock jam. Uh, it's not strutty per se, but it's it's got a wonderful vibe to it. Uh, so uh, you know, I love every track on this album, but you know, this one is the lead single, and uh, it's excellent. The way it resolves itself with the chorus into that deep sigh of a you know final chorus line uh, that does it for me every time. Uh, it almost has a mini Ripperton vibe to it uh, with the falsetto, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just so glad you picked it. It was on my kind of medium, short, medium long list. Um, and there's an amazing NPR Tiny Desk with uh with her singing it it's just uh that's a great cut yeah i with this album topped a lot of critics list last year and and uh britney howard is an interesting one because you know alabama shakes were kind of this very bluesy rock combo but uh her album jamie uh i never know if to if it's pronounced jamie or jaime even though i claim it was my favorite album of last year but um it's really eclectic it has bits of hip-hop and rock and pop and you know, just a little bit of everything. It's a, it's a really wonderful, eclectic album. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education, is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. All right, Julia, it's back to you. Uh, okay, well, I'm kind of inspired by the the tone and vibe of Steve and Chris's last two picks, which are, I think we need a word for them. They're like the, I think your word wafty for Dana's song is, is sticking with me. They're anthemic, but in a, in a low-key way, low-key anthems. I don't know if you would think <laughs> those apply to both of those, but totally. here, the, another song that I would file under low-key anthem strut uh, is the song uh, Liberated by Dej Loaf featuring Leon Bridges. Did this one catch for any of you guys? I just, I just couldn't stop listening to this one. That's awesome. This one, 
This one ended up for me on a sort of mental sublist I was making of all the kind of um, politically and socially appropriate songs that people sent in. I feel like there was a lot of, you know, I mean, this one's about liberation. There was one called The Guillotine. That oh, yeah. Sent the in. Guillotine was on my medium shortlist. We might need to play The Guillotine just for... You know, there was guillotine. There was the cops shot the kid. There was one called Pay Me, which I think was yeah. Pay Me ha- was on my head. As, as pay it happened, Pay Me, whose who's, who's chorus goes "Fuck you, Pay Me," <laughs> it was on the very top of the list, the very first one that just happened to be on the on the list. So I heard Pay Me many many times as I was firing this up on Spotify, and uh, <laughs> that kind of came to be. I mean, I feel like there's you know, there's a very "Fuck You, Pay Me" kind of vibe going through summer 2020 yeah. for understandable <laughs> reasons. And, uh, and so that one was kind of an inspiration. Should we play a couple quick snips of both Fuck You, Pay Me and The Guillotine, which were both kind of funny, uh, angsty twists on the, on the moment? Transition from low-key anthem, which is one subcategory, to late capitalist bops, which is another <laughs> enjoyable category in this group. And I, both of those two songs, in addition to Liberated, were in my pile of, this seems right. This sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Briefly, the guillotine. You guys know who that is, right? That's um, the coup, which is the hip-hop troupe of Boots Riley, of Sorry to Bother You fame, now a filmmaker as well as a rapper. Um, that yeah, came sorry out to bother you, right? And it comes from an album that was also called "Sorry to Bother You" that came out in 2012. So there was an album by his troupe, The Coup, who have been like political and agitprop since way back. Like they were, they were a one-group Black Lives Matter movement before BLM existed. And uh, that song is just such a total jam. But it's it's Boots Riley kind of doing what he does best. Um, and who, and who's who's saying "fuck you, pay me"? <laughs> that's uh, a uh, a. Uh, Sacramento hip-hop keyboardist called the Philharmonic. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell if that was a Goodfellas illusion because fuck you, pay me is a line from Goodfellas. Uh, mm. or, but, you know, it, the lyric just works no matter what. Um, and, and I liked who? how, like some of the other ones we were talking about, there's a mix of fluttery and strutty at the same time, kind of like the track you played before, Dana. So I like that juxtaposition. All right, Dana, give us the next uh, track. Okay, I think I may be stealing your fire here, Steve, but I know this is a song and a group that you want to talk about, too. So there were a couple tracks by Haim from their new album, Women in Music Part 3. And uh, just because of the title, I'll go with Summer Girl. Um, but there were two tracks in and that were great that sent me down a Haim rabbit hole of listening to that new album. And I want to talk to Chris about it. But first, here's Summer Girl. LA on the mind, I can't breathe. There when I close my eyes, so hard to breathe. Smile 
definitely interpolating uh walk on the wild side by lou reed uh quite openly uh and it's actually a bonus track on the new album the new album came out in i think june it's only a few weeks old still uh but that track dates back to last summer summer 2019 but they're wrapping it into the current album and obviously give it from the title on down uh it's got that summery wafty vibe i think steve also wanted to name check another um heim song right steve uh what was the one you picked i know alone well i get easily confused and i don't i don't know whether this was actually on our gigantic 20-hour master list but somehow i got i know alone there but uh i think dana picked the right the right one the whole album uh is just magnificent it's just a triumph it is a great record and it's going to be in super heavy rotation in my household for the next you know six weeks let's listen to a little bit of i know alone too because that is that i might actually prefer that song as well but since, it is a great since, song since i think we it's discovered one of my two it, or three favorites not on the through album, a yeah. listener but yeah let's i want to hear it because summer girl's a little too too pokey for me too light not strutty enough That's such a great track. It's so good. I will also point out that the Heim sisters in early quarantine posted pictures of themselves lying naked on their couches with great LA views covered only in uh, issues of the LA Times. So um, in addition to having been a fan of their music for nearly a decade, I am now a fan of their music as well. <laughs> You're now a clothing designer as well as a newspaper editor. You know, print, I, I loved working in digital, guys, but print has its upsides. <laughs> nobody nobody ever wore slate. Okay, I'm going to switch things up. This surprised, this pick surprised even me. The first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's nice. And it, I, one way to interact with this music list is you hear something you've heard it for the first time you obviously like it it's strutty and then sort of the idea of it of its appropriateness to you know the season or uh, what we're doing hits you and you put it on the list this was totally the opposite this was a a completely kind of cryptic seduction where something that i thought was negligible became an earworm and then just became inexorable to me for some reason i have fallen in love with this song and i don't know that I can defend it, but I will ask you to do one thing: is just listen to the way this singer hits the the words "You're too late," because it was at that moment I was a goner. Um, anyway, it's a woman named Delilah Montague, and the song is called "Next to Me." Stay too late. Now 
grows on you. <laughs> no, it's lovely. It's beautiful. She's yeah. an amazing singer. And, and I think even in the second verse, she hits that same, you're too late, and it's even more fragile and heartbreaking and precise. It's just, I don't know. It, I really, this was not even close to being on my final like 15 or 20 and I literally woke up with it in my head and re-listened to it and then played it for my kids and we, we just all thumbs up all around so I like those ones that sneak up yeah all right Chris I think it's you well as long as we were talking about albums that have lots of bops on them like the Heim album I thought we should probably talk about the Dua Lipa album Future Nostalgia, which is just bops from beginning to end. And I kind of don't know which track we should pick because several made the final strut list. Um, The one that um, both uh, Julia and Steve landed on when we were sharing uh, short lists and long lists earlier uh, was um, Pretty Please, uh, which has this strutty start-stop rhythm. It's it's a deep cut. It's not even a single. But um, frankly, almost every track on this album sounds like a single, so you can kind of go anywhere with it. didn't put a Dua Lipa on my final picks is that there were too many Dua Lipas that were plausible um, and so I couldn't settle on one which is perhaps not fair to Dua Lipa so I'm glad you're I'm glad you're bringing her to the mix but yeah that one that one I thought was the boppiest the struttiest I mean you could go with any of them her hit from the winter don't start now made the strut list uh, somebody put cool which is not a single but I love that one that one's got this really wistful late summer vibe to it Okay, never mind. I like this one better. This feels like her Katy Perry teenage dream to me. It's like the wistful song that is also a banger at the same time. Can you give us a little Dua Lipa, a potted history of Dua Lipa? I feel like we've talked about her on this show, but it feels like she went from being kind of a pop novelty sideshow to a powerhouse since the last time we've talked about her. And I had that happen. And am she, I right? You know, you're absolutely right. She's coming into her own. This is her second album, Future Nostalgia. Um, it's her first album since she won the Best New Artist Grammy a couple years ago. So she kind of snuck up on everybody. She had a hit called New Rules that took a while to break. I think it broke in 2017, possibly 2018. It like was on the charts for a long time before it wound up a top 10 hit. And then she won the Best New Artist Grammy. And it's kind of been just up and up for her ever since. She's an English singer-songwriter, pop star, 
Uh, she works with some of the best in the business, you know, uh, Justin Tranter and Julia Michaels, these people who've written hits for people like Justin Bieber. Um, but she kind of brings her own vibe to it. This album is kind of my Taylor Swift 1989 of this year. It's kind of the reliable pop banger I can put on, and it's got throwbacks to 80s sounds that have been made modern and fresh. Um, so, yeah, it's this is my album of bops for the year. I want to tell you about a new show from the Financial Times called Life and Art from FT Weekend, hosted by me, Lila Raptopoulos. Life and Art is twice a week. On Mondays, I have a guest on to talk about life and how to live a good one. Everything from winter travel to cooking to living more creatively. And on Fridays, we talk art. Two FT journalists and I discuss a piece of culture that's in the air. New music, movies, and more. Find Life and Art from FT Weekend wherever you listen. Okay, well, my very, very favorite song, I think, the one that, that I had the, the strongest feeling like of, oh, yay, this one again, uh, is a song called Sixes to Nines by Big Wild. I just think this is a really special song. Uh, let me try to enumerate what I like about it before you guys before you guys crush my dreams. Uh, I the beat to me is like a perfect strut beat. Like uh, you guys have heard me discuss in the past that if, if a beat gets too fast to me, it's not strutty. It's like something else. You need to really be able to have like nice long strides against it. I don't know what the BPM, like we probably could go back and look at all the struts ever and like figure out the target BPM of a perfect strut for each of us, but I think mine's a little slower than than You like some, a loop. Some others I really, well maybe it's just my long stride, but for me a strut has to be a little bit slow. Got to have room to get these six foot legs around. <laughs> um, I love the production on this. It you feels like you can feel the space in the song. It's very, very... Um, clean and it feels like every different vocal or musical element in it is like coming from a different place with like pure air and space around it um and then i just topically it's sort of the opposite of the fuck you pay me's it's like right what do we have but closeness with the people we can be close to if we can be close to anybody right now and so the kind of intimacy of it spoke to me as well i love this song too for what it's worth um, I didn't know anything about the artist. Uh, his real name is Jackson Stell, but he goes by Big Wild. And the vocalist with that amazing kind of gospel quality voice is Rationale, uh, who's a, uh, I believe, Zimbabwean, British-born uh, singer-songwriter. Yeah, I just love the um, the strutty beat crossed with that kind of rafter-raising gospel-like vocal Uh I, I just thought it was an, a killer combination. Did that one pop for you guys? 
It did once you you played it. I mean, it really strikes me what you were saying about everybody having their different strut music. Even though I'm sure I would have, I enjoyed this on listening it on, on the list, I would never have put it on my strut list. And I think it has to do with the arrangement. I don't know. There's something about when something sounds maybe too clubby or something. I think we just have opposite strut beats. I think I'm much more likely to put some sort of three-minute pop peanut that you can't get out of your head like Carly Rae Jepsen style than something that is as lopey as that. But it's beautiful. I feel like I need to hear it a couple more times before its sublimity gets under my wings. I think, I mean, sublimity is how I feel about it. Like, it's. I think for me, it's the one that once I had it down to 20 or 30, every time it came on, I just lit up and was like, I just wish it was this song over and over again. I really, really think it's it's a special track. Dana. All right, so since I went very, I'm very proud that I picked relatively new songs from my first two choices, one from a brand new, the brand new Heim album, and one from that Franco-African album from last year, I'm going to go to my comfort zone, and uh, somebody pandered to me and sent in a Brazilian song. <laughs> um, there's actually a lot of Brazilian influence type music, like there's a wonderful um, Beck song, Tropicalia, that's sort of Brazilian style, that, but I won't pick that because I already knew it and loved it. This is a song that I know and love so well that I almost thought, oh, it's too obvious to pick it. And then I realized uh, not everybody listens to, you know, 60s, 70s Brazilian pop all the time. And this probably isn't a known (laughs) album to some people, and it should be. So the track is called A Menina Dança, The Girl Dances. It's by Novos Baianos, which was this uh, sort of tropicalismo group from the 60s and 70s, really important influence on Brazilian music. And the album it's from is, I mean, it's almost like the Brazilian Revolver or something. It's an incredible incredibly influential album in Brazilian pop called Acabo Chorare from 1972. Um, and so, yeah, if you don't know that album, Acabo Chorare, and you want to explore some great Brazilian music, very influenced by Bossa Nova and very influential on the music that came after, um, this would be a good place to start. Don't they even have a Jao Gilberto connection? I seem to recall that they're contemporaries of, or maybe... Oh, very strongly. By. Well, I mean, definitely influenced by, as you know, everyone was at that period. But also, Jao Gilberto was specifically an advisor and a mentor of theirs That's for this album. Yeah. yeah, I think he sat in on the sessions or something. He may even play on the album, I'm not sure. But certainly that guitar style is influenced by him. Although That's you also hear some kind of Hendrix-style rock guitar weaving in there. And, I mean, something I should say about this album, Akabo Shurare, which to me, again, feels like a big chunk, like I, I can't imagine it without the rest of the songs on it, is that Novos Bionis is a very unhierarchical group. So, you know, their songs were written and sung by all different members. You know, there were lots of different instruments being played by everybody. It didn't always sound like like that at all. There's not always a female singer. There's not always that style of music. They really were just, um, you know, this great patchwork kind of weaving in all kinds of world music styles, including rock and roll. So um, 
so that's not necessarily a typical song from from that group or from the album but it's to me very strutty i mean maybe it's you know you're more kind of like sambandu you know you're like sambaing down the street rather than than strutting but it makes me move no it's great i i love the sort of it's it's more up tempo than i think of with this with, with your brazilian uh wrecks of the past and i love the electric guitar am i hearing in there yeah, I mean, yeah. there's lots of, yeah, yeah, as I was saying, there's sort of, you know, it's 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 a very deliberate attempt to kind of, you know, bring rock and roll into a Brazilian context, as a lot of Brazilian music was from that time. And there's just so much that sort of flowered out of it. And that, as Chris observed, that, that went into it, you know, prior traditions and, and later traditions all coming together. And it's a reminder that that Tropicalia era music kind of rocked, you know what I mean? I think there's this, um, I don't know if it's a stereotype, but a vibe that, that Tropicalia was wafty and... But no, a lot of it rocked pretty hard, and that, that's a good reminder of that. Okay, well, here's a, my pick. My next pick is a fully strutty. It's a Spanish garage girl band called Heinz, H-I-N-D-S, and the song's called Good Bad Times. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, I mean, it's just raffish and confident and strutting. And it's got a hint of Bananarama in there, too. Yeah. Uh, just works for me. And my understanding is that this Madrid group, I, I don't know that much about them, but that their first couple of albums were closer to a straight-up garage rock kind of sound, closer to the Strokes. But now they're kind of embracing a dreamier pop sound, but it's still fundamentally rock based. What I like is it's it's still, you know, a guitar based drums kind of sound, but they've made it a little dreamier and more ethereal and uh, and fundamentally pop. Yeah, that was that was a bop. I really like that one. Uh, OK, the wheel has spun back around to Chris. What do you got? I'd like to thank whoever put a track by Jamila Woods on the playlist. Uh, the one that uh, they picked uh, was um, Basquiat. Uh, it's from her album from last year called Legacy Legacy, which was another of my favorite albums of last year. It's this um, deliberately provocative political album where each track on the album is named by a legendary artist of color like James Baldwin, Frida Kahlo, Miles Davis, Zora Neale Hurston. And this one is called Basquiat. And um, I, there's just this line in it that I absolutely love that I think is so appropriate a year later is that we're in the middle of all these Black Lives Matter uh, protests, uh, this call and response where she goes, are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. What make you mad? I don't fucking know. It's just this kind of general pissed offness. Oh, yeah, that's, that's that song stuck out for that very lyric to me. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Ooh, I'm excited to hear.
I feel like she's the second coming of Nina Simone. Um, you know, Chicago uh, R&B singer, uh, political activist. You know, she was like a community organizer uh, at the same time that she was starting her singing career. And, uh, you know, there's elements of jazz in there, R&B, um, just a phenomenal track. And, and it's struttier than I might have thought. So whoever put it on the list, that was an inspired choice. Yeah, that definitely falls under that category that we mentioned early on. <laughs> Let's call it the Fuck You, Pay Me songs of 2020. Definitely. Uh, all right. Well, I was actually going to do something else next, but since we're back in the in the Fuck You, Pay Me direction, I, I think a subset of political angst is like uh, the flip side of the Sixes to Nine song, which is like the dark personal angst of just being alone with your own thoughts for freaking ever. So in that spirit, I would like to propose we listen to particularly the opening of uh, Number One Fan by Muna, M-U-N-A. Maybe it's Muna. I don't know. This is a good one. So I had the bad news. Nobody likes me and I'm gonna die alone in my bedroom. Looking at strangers on my telephone. So I love this because it's about your quiet personal relationship with yourself. And I love the flip. I mean, I love a song with like a killer opening verse. And that like, if there, there's just nothing that's more 2020 than like, I'm stuck at home and looking at my stupid phone. I hate myself for looking at my phone. We're all <laughs> going to die. die alone. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> like, um, But then I really like the way the song flips it too, which is about like the relationship you have with yourself. Like when you're, you know, alone and miserable and looking at yourself in the mirror and, and kind of laughing with yourself at the terrors of the world. And um, the notion of being your own number one fan is like maybe a little bit corny, but I think the song has such a tart humor that it kind of gets away with that. And then I would say my one complaint is like musically, it's like got momentum and pep. I like wish the melody were like slightly more interesting in the chorus, but I, but I couldn't get over that verse, so I had to had to pop it in here. Julia, that was on my list too, and the reason the category that it was on my list under was the mascara song, another one that we've come up with over the years, a category of, you know, type of bop, which is the thing that you psych yourself up to go out with. Of course, now again, we're going out to the grocery store, but... Or just know, going out, like, to ourselves, to have, a, like, a cocktail with ourselves in Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is the song that you could listen to as you put mascara on in order for it to be seen above your mask as you walk alone down the street <laughs> well i also like like you up it, for that purpose it literally has a mirror in it which i feel like there's always an implied mirror montage in the mascara song i hadn't thought of this as a mascara song but you're totally right it is the mascara song of this bunch it's also what i very dark call a pavement crusher so like the the sort of limited melody at the chorus yet it kind of has this insistent thump it's kind of like you're strutting down the street like it reminds me a little bit of Icona Pops. I love it in that way. Yes, that's um, a bit of that. It's got that vibe. It's got a Heim vibe there, an L.A. trio. Um, and so I hear 
on the verse it's kind of high, but on the chorus it's more icona pop. So yeah, I I thought that was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Dana. All right. Um, another kind of category that I often pick that I feel like Julie and Steve often don't pick, so I want to give it some attention, is the instrumental. I love a, a song with no no words uh, if, it, if it creates the right kind of mood. And uh, there's one of those on the list that somebody sent in that I absolutely love. I know nothing about the artist, so maybe Chris can fill me in, but it's called Mystic Brew, and it's VJ Iyer and some other people. It's, the, it's basically the VJ Iyer trio who are like, yeah, you know. Yeah, this was, this was on my medium list, too. This is great. This is great. Lope is the perfect word to describe the, the gate of that song. Um, it almost makes me think, in, in a way, of the Vince Guaraldi music for the the Peanuts cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that sort of, it's got a little bit of a sort of '70s walking down the street kind of vibe. And I'm curious why you guys both chose it. It's it's great that I thought I was being this, you know, this one-off hero choosing an instrumental, and you both had it on your short list too. It's just undeniable. I don't know. It just it just popped for me. I mean, my at some point we should do a segment about our methodology for winnowing the like thirty six hours of music or whatever that we get every year from our incredible listeners. Who it I, I, we should pause to say it's like such a gift that you wonderful friends and strangers send us all these ideas. And I I personally listen to every single song and then like make a sub list and then make a sub list and then make a sub list and then make a sub list like and just see what keeps popping. So. I don't know. It's just the force of the music itself. I often have an instrumental in my like third round that doesn't make it to the final final round. But I, I liked the um, the low keyness of the beat and then the experimentation of the melody. Like the melody goes all over the place and feels very confident of itself, but kind of is always doing something new, so it doesn't get boring. Which I guess is my, you know, my like philistine beef with instrumental stuff is sometimes you're like all right dude when are you getting to the part where it gets good you know like in a pop song typically it's like and then the verse comes and then the lyric you know i'm such a a verbal person that in listening to music in this vein i'm often like waiting for the lyrical moment that excites me and this song keeps going places even though it doesn't go there with words so chris we all picked this song i know nothing about the vj Iyer trio can you tell me a little about the background of this song mystic brew Well, here's what I want to, here's the rabbit hole I want to go down. Um, When I played this, I was like, why do I know this melody? Um, And it turns out, follow me here, the original version of this is by a jazz organist of the, basically the 70s Blue Note era named Ronnie Foster. Um, That's the original version. And that was sampled by one of my all-time favorite rap acts a tribe called quest on their 1993 album midnight marauders the track is called electric relaxation and cameron if you have that queued up i'd love to hear a little bit of that right now yo i took you out the seconds on my mind pulled the whole damn route my mind was in a frenzy in a horny state but i couldn't drop rhymes because you couldn't relate you couldn't relate 
did not put that together at all. So as you can hear on that Tribe Called Quest track, which is sampling the Ronnie Foster original, the Ronnie Foster is mostly played on an organ, this kind of very warm early 70s organ tone. What Vijay Iyer did, and I had to look this up in 2009, was his trio. He's a pianist, straight up acoustic pianist. He takes that song and deconstructs it further, kind of gives it that lope that you guys are all latching on to. Um, even slows down a piece of it, like changes the tempo at one point. I think we heard that part. Um, and uh, the thing about it is that the melody, the fact that I latched onto it immediately, yes, I happen to know that A Tribe Called Quest album extremely well, but it's kind of an indelible melody. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of works in so many different contexts. So, I, you know, it, which really just backs up Julia's point that like, you know, a great melody is a great melody. And uh, that one's got a, a really good one. Steve, I feel like if you don't pick your Krongbin song off of that, like my sense of the psychic order will be very distorted, not to put my thumb on the scale. This is the problem with sending your shortlist around. Oh, man. I wasn't going to, but now I am. Krongbin, time. Let's hear it. nothing about these guys but anyone want to explain to me the name and the band i mean i've I've been listening to their record and enjoying it but part of my nudge on this is that this is i think this is their new album which has lyrics but their prior album was also instrumental and has been on like way wicked heavy rotation in our house because my husband's gotten obsessed with it and they're like Texan tie like i just they seem like such an interesting sound and i i gave you the inappropriate nudge steve because i wanted to hear the the official chris Melanfi deconstruction of of the krong bin phenomenon i'm not sure if i have anything authoritative i mean i hear an afrobeat touch to that track which kind of makes it even harder to pin down because again they're from houston um and they're this multiracial trio um that you know like you say julia have been knocking around for a while but now are taking on this i don't know perkier, um, more ethereal sound that's kind of pulling from everywhere. So yeah, they're, they're hard for me to pin down to. What did you, what did you respond to in the song, Steve? I, what did I respond to? I, I, it reminded me of loving the Tom Tom club 40 years ago, you know, that's a good analogy. Yeah. And it just kind of loops back in on itself is mesmerizing. It kind of doesn't go anywhere, which is, you know, very much in the spirit of Steve Metcalf. So um, I, I, yeah, I just kind of dug it. All right, Chris, uh, you're up. What do you got? I'm going to cheat and squeeze together two songs that are very, very broadly the same macro genre or micro genre to me. Uh, they are what I would call dreamy Australian pop. Uh, one is an all-time favorite of mine from uh, 2009 by Empire of the Sun called Walking on a Dream. And the other one is by uh, an Aussie DJ who goes by Cut Copy, and it's called Take Me Over. Uh, and we could listen to snippets of both of these. We are always- 
also Empire of the Sun. Uh, how much do I love this song? Uh, I actually quoted it at my wedding. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a very romantic song that my wife and I love deeply. Uh, it was a pop hit down under in 0809, and it didn't catch on in America until 2016 when it was featured in a Honda ad, and then it became a belated hit in America. It reached the top three on the modern rock chart. Uh, so that is just a gorgeous song. The falsetto on the chorus crushes me every time. Um, and as for Cut Copy, it's a group, but you know, it's, it's this DJ, Dan Whitford, uh, who kind of leads the project. Uh, and, uh, it's got that kind of eighties energy. Um, the melody openly interpolates everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, and it's also got elements of, uh, down under by men at work and even a little bit of Africa by Toto baked in there. Uh, it's kind of like an amalgam of several 80s things at once, so it touches a lot of my Gen X pleasure centers. So yeah, anyway, I, I just thought the two songs complemented each other really nicely, and they both wound up on this year's Strut playlist. I can confirm that there was, looking at the Zoom windows, there was some, some head strutting going on during that last track. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dancing along to our struts. All right. Well, as always, Chris, it's just awesome to have you come on our show and um, share your uh, lightly worn area edition with us. It was really great. Thanks. It was my pleasure, Steve, as always. Uh, and as always, Julia, thank you. Thank you. And Dana, that was really fun. Thanks. It was a joy as ever. My you, musical stores are refreshed. Yeah, right. A year supply. Yeah. You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today at our show page. That's slate.com slash culturefest. You can email us at culturefest at slate.com. Please do. We uh, dig it. We have a Twitter feed. It's at Slate Cult Fest. Our producer is Cameron Drews. Our production assistant is Rachel Allen. For Dan Stevens, Julia Turner, and of course, Chris Melanthi, I'm Stephen Metcalf. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you soon. administrators and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice. 
all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 